One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. I'm Rick Morris, your host. And, uh, you know, this was a supremely hyped show. I was super hyped, super ready because we were going to have the legend uh, Rob Tomset on the line with us. And uh, we are, uh, for some reason, haven't connected. So maybe he'll dial in. Maybe he won't. Uh, if so, we'll get him reconnected. But, uh, you know, Rob is somebody that uh, I looked uh, up to. Uh, and absolutely 100% changed uh, my career. So we're going to be uh, watching out for him. Um, he's in Australia. Time zones, we've been exchanging information. We were we were all set to go. Uh, but you know what? We're in project management. Things happen. Uh, we should be uh, uh, ready uh, to go. If he, if he pops in, that's great. If not, no worries. Um, but uh, I'm back from Costa Rica which, um, you know, I wasn't on the show last week. We did a replay because I was in Costa Rica with John Maxwell and uh, 250 of now people that I call family and friends uh, on a transformation trip. And so we will actually devote this hour then uh, to the Costa Rica trip. And what an incredible trip it was. What an incredible experience it was for us. Um, And I, I just can't. I can't even describe how incredible this whole thing was for us. Um, the whole point of the trip itself, right, is transformation. And when you hear somebody say something like that, they're going to go transform a country, and that was the vision uh, that John had, uh, what does that mean? What does it really mean to go transform a country? And so let's explain kind of the statistics and things that we're talking about. So first, what it really means is – what we were doing was was training facilitators, and in training those facilitators, we were trying to make sure that um, they were ready and prepared to uh, train other facilitators for transformation. In using Mac- Malcolm Gladwell in the tipping point, we want to get 10% of the population of Costa Rica sitting down and discussing values. And we want to make sure that they can sit down and discuss values and have open conversations about values to essentially usher in the next generation. That's what we mean by transformation. And so we trained uh, 15,000 people in, in the course of a week uh, through roundtable methods of values. And, and we, we sat down and did um, attitude and forgiveness and train these facilitators. And now for the next 16 weeks, those 15,000 people will be working with 65,000 people that are already signed up and working. Uh, And we'll go through a 16-week program talking about 10 universal laws and then six laws of of, uh, intentional living and, and talking about how small actions can lead to great change. And in at the end of every roundtable, uh, so in a roundtable, you discuss one of the values. So, for instance, if you talk about attitude, uh, they read a lesson on attitude. They discuss uh, what in the lesson spoke to them. And then they rate themselves on their current feelings about attitude. So from 1 to 10, how do you feel? Then they go through and start to talk about you know what benefits would you get from raising your value from 4 to 6 or from 6 to 8. Who do you admire that has that attitude, uh, has a great attitude, and and why do you admire them? And then finally, what small action are you going to take to improve for the next week? And then when they come back the next week, they'll talk about how did that action go and and what was the result, and then they'll take a new value. And and so that's essentially what we were doing in training, and it was absolutely phenomenal uh, experience to to, to be a part of, to, to be just... First of all, welcomed as we were welcomed in Costa Rica. Um, you know, I was talking to another John Maxwell coach today, um, and um, what we were just kind of talking about the the difference between you know organizations that we work with here in the states and organizations that we were working there in Costa Rica. And I'll I'll explain. So first was uh, I'll, I'll give you an example here in the United States. So. 
and this this just literally happened uh, this week that I got back from Costa Rica. So I was working with an executive team, and the the executive that I was working with was telling me that he was dealing with a, a lot of attitude issues with with his his leadership team, and they were having a lot of communication breakdowns. And I'm a certified human behavior consultant, and we have a tool uh, called Disk Profiling that helps teams communicate with each other and it, and it helps identify what my communication style is and what your communication style is and helps us kind of build common ground. And, and it's it, it's a really cool tool and I've talked about it on the show in, in the past. And so I, I suggested, hey, let's do this. And, you know, I said, we can even do it in the sense that, you know, we've got this tool that we're rolling out and I can use it to say, you know, to understand what kind of reports we need to build, whether they need to be highly detailed or whether they need to be more graphical, that it'll help us understand what type of information we need to give you as a leadership team to make sure that we're communicating effectively. So it's not so much about, you know, hey, we want to find out who you are. It was more about how do we communicate effectively with you? And so he thought it was a great idea. And we went and got codes and we went and start to roll this out to the team. And the team went to HR and blocked even taking the survey. They, they, they were so concerned that somebody might find out that they're tough to deal with or they were so concerned about their own internal growth or I don't know what they were concerned about, to be honest with you, that they wouldn't even sit down and, and take a little 24-question thing so that they could figure out what their communication style is and how to communicate with other people. And I, I was blown away by that, right? I mean – especially when you're when you should be constantly looking for opportunities to grow and constantly looking inside yourself to find ways to become better especially if you're a leader right leaders need to be servant leaders and leaders need to be looking inside themselves and so i'm coming off of this incredible week where transformation is within me and i'm watching these people you know just absolutely 100% break down so Contrast that to Costa Rica, where we give them these values, and immediately when we give them these values, they sit down, and as soon as they see one of these things, as soon as they see one, the first thing that they want to do is sign up their entire company. And so they're coming back to the hotel that we're working in and signing up company after company. I had one lady that was working with us who was our interpreter. She was working at the U.S. Embassy, and as soon as we were done, she was like, wow, my entire company needs to be involved in this, and came back and signed up her entire company. And, and we had story after story after story after story of how the Costa Rican people were embracing this so much and wanted to grow so quickly. It was absolutely insane. And so when we look at, at this and, and compare and contrast – what, what an incredible, incredible opportunity it was for us to really witness a, an organization and a group of people that really wanted to grow and really wanted to change. And that's why it's, it's going like wildfire through Costa Rica. Um, since being back, I've gotten countless you know, emails and, and you know, Facebook messages and texts and all that kind of stuff from people that we worked with who are thanking us for for coming over and sharing this information with them. And at the same time, I'm watching people I'm working with here in the States who are just like, ah, I don't need to know that stuff. Who needs to who needs to work on attitude? Why, why, why do I need to work on my listening? And just the compare and contrast was was it's breathtaking to me. So Costa Rica, when we talk about transformation, it was transformational for me. Um, just to to see it, to be a part of it. Uh, I think I learned more from them than they learned from me. I can promise you that. Um, and it's a trip that I absolutely 100% will never, ever, ever forget. So uh, we're going to take our first break right here. I actually think I saw a phone call come through. We'll see if we can't connect with Rob. If not, we'll continue the story with Costa Rica. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? 
R Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management. From CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile. And there's no better way to get there than with Agile Management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back to the work-life balance. We are managing all kinds of things right here. We are actually trying to work some magic and get Rob on the line. I talked to him on the break as we're trying to do things overseas. And I think we're going to get him on the line here in just a second. But coming back, uh, just to wrap up the Costa Rica trip. So that was brought together by Mejaremos Costa Rica, the John Maxwell Leadership Foundation, uh, and the John Maxwell team. So there was 250 coaches um, that that actually paid their own way to go over there and be a part of that trip. Um, and it was organized chaos is exactly what it was, is we actually ended up joining in and would stand in a line and they would just tell us, you know, four coaches and you jump in a car, you have no idea where you would go. So I ended up in a school. Uh, I ended up at a church. I ended up at like a hardware store, like a Home Depot, um, worked with the embassy, we worked all over the place and had an opportunity to just train these people, um, which, again, uh, was was just a life changing experience. So if we ever have uh, ever have an opportunity uh, to do something like that, 
um, let's do it. So uh, I'm going to transition into a story here really quickly, and and we're going to do our best here with the connections that we have. Um, but uh, for me, there there was a point uh, early in my career, um, really around 2002, where I decided or was thinking of of quitting project management. It was just you know I was frustrated. Uh, ends weren't meeting for me. Just it, I was frustrated. I was done. And so I actually walked through a bookstore and was trying to figure out, you know, maybe a job title would jump off the page for me or, you know, maybe I'd see a book or something that would inspire me. And so as I was walking through, I found this book called Radical Project Management. And, you know, the the title itself I thought was cool. I picked it up, started to flip through it. And it's the first project management book in my life uh, that, that ever made me laugh, number one. But number two, spoke to me in a different way than any other project management book ever had. And so I ended up buying the book, read it cover to cover, and started to put the, the, the things in motion, a lot of the ideas in motion. And I credit that night in that book for saving my career and, and putting a lot of the early seeds of my success in project management in, into practice. And that book was written by Rob Tomset, which was why I was so excited uh, to finally get him on the line. So let's see if Rob's there. Rob, you there? Hear me okay? I can hear you, buddy. How are you, my friend? I'm just I'm I'm just as excited as you are, and and I really really appreciate that feedback. Um, it means something incredible when something you write actually connects to another person, you know, thousands of miles away. So I'm really looking forward to this written. And for sure, and we lost this segment, so I want to make up for time, and I'll and I'll tell you. Um, when, when you weren't on the line when we got started, I was getting texts left and right from my friends going, where's Rob? So we're so excited <laughs> that we got a chance to connect. Yeah, um, but apologies, tell, apologies. Oh, no worries at all. We said, you know, this is Project Management 101. This is what we do, man. We, yeah, we're we risk ready is what we are. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But, but I want to get into the meat because we've only got sure. so much time with you, and I feel like I could yeah. fill 12 shows with you. And so we're going to have to have you back. That, that, that's just a no-brainer. But um, It'll be a pleasure. The, the quote that I feel changed my entire outlook, and you and I haven't had a chance to prep. We've barely even had a chance to talk. But the quote that I think changed my entire career was when you wrote that projects fail because of context, not content. Would you would you explain that to the audience for us? Sure, sure. So so in all projects, especially in um, you know that what I call now traditional project management, which has its roots back in construction and engineering project management, people tend to treat projects as a system, which was you know let's get right, um, let's get the estimates right, and let's sort of bunker down and execute and just deliver. But when you actually look at what projects are, they're, in effect, very open systems. They're, they're part of a much broader either organizational context or a business context. So when I started looking and observing and being part of very complex projects, what was happening in the process, but rather interactions with stakeholders, interactions with other projects, interactions with sponsors, for example, um, that, that interactions basically outside the project in its environment, which were the cause of most of the really difficult problems that projects had. So with that idea of context is, is this, if you like, the white space around a project, um, and that's where new project managers or agile project managers have to shift their focus to because that's where this, all the disruption tends to come from in general, not always, but in most cases. So that was the, the sort of idea of that context versus content. Contents, what's the project delivering? Context is the environment in which the project lives. Yeah, and I think you're on a cell phone, so we're, we're getting uh, some, some good feedback here. But um, so oh, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're pacing, but uh, the the where we take that too, and and what what I took that to mean as well is is also context being you know the mandated date, the mandated budgets, the things that just tend to not matter. Whereas the you know we're 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 going to deliver the content, but it it made me shift my focus 
to begin to manage up versus manage down. Does that does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's over there's overwhelming evidence that <clears throat> you know, for example, the relationship between a project manager and a sponsor, um, and I've I've believed this for for decades is the single most important relationship a manager has. So in that context of, of managing upwards, Rick, um, how the PM and sponsor build this trusting relationship is critical to the success of any project. And and so with with what you wrote, with, with context and content, you also just broadened my eyes beyond the, the Iron Triangle with, with the research you did with Cutter Consortium. And yeah. so, tell the tell the, uh, the the listeners a little bit about that. Sure. Um, and again, just interrupt if I don't come through clearly. Um, here we are at the age of automation and digital, and we're still I still can't get Skype to work. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, uh, I'm def- I'm a Mac user. If that helps people understand my technical capability, so w- w- what I'm getting. When you look at what's called the Iron Triangle, which is you know, a scope, budget, and time, and you actually start seeing the project in, in this more broader idea of a, a project as an org that lives in, in this bigger world, there are lots of other ways of measuring success. So the, the classic example is that, that old joke, Rick, that the operation was a success and the patient died. Um, that that people people were looking at the wrong measures of of, of how a project succeeds because the really interesting part of a project is what happens after it goes live, and what you know what we're doing as as project managers is delivering a change in organisation, and and for the project to be successful, that change has to be sustained and accepted by the stakeholders who've got to live with that change, so that immediately. Are you thinking about, you know, looking at success from seven different dimensions? And I'll come to one, not from three to seven, but the first one was, you know, how are the stakeholders in terms of their relationship to what the project's doing and what it's delivering? So if, the, if, if stakeholders aren't on board, it doesn't matter if you get straight to time. The project's not going to succeed longer term. And then taking that same view of projects as something that matters beyond the day it goes live, um, that is, the projects are about delivering a sustained change, then you suddenly realise that projects are also about benefits. In other words, you know, again, you're on time and in budget, but you don't realise the benefits. Well, it's not successful, even though it was on time and budget. The quality issue was always one, and, and PMI and other people have now sort of picked that up, which is great. Um, you know, if you deliver low quality, um, then again, you can't claim the project's successful. And that's, I guess, you look at the American car industry in the 70s and 80s as a good example of that. And finally, the thing that most people find controversial, Rick, is I added teams as a consideration. In other words, you know, if we look at teams as a group of creative people, how they, how they feel about the project is equally as important. I've seen projects where the entire team has left after the project went live and the organisation's lost all that IT and all that incredible creative energy. So again, that to me, that project's not successful. So we end up with this um, seven, seven dimensions of success, stakeholder engagement, uh, requirements or scope, budget, time, quality, benefits and teams. So that's where that came from. And... Now, since I wrote that book and came up with that model, I've seen very few projects successful on those full seven dimensions. Yeah, and and you you say uh, that it's controversial, um, right, to to include the teams. But as I've grown as a leader, just really in the last two or three years, um, in, in trying to do my personal development. Uh, the the team satisfaction has been you know number one right it's it's yeah, all absolutely. about right developing the the leaders within the the people around you and servant leadership and and really I I do want to dive into this with you because you know I've got a lot of friends that are in agile I've now become certified in agile and everybody thinks agile is so brand new as of two thousand one 
you were yeah. writing Agile. I mean, your book was published 2002, which means, you know, you this, this was back in the day when we really had to work to publish a book, right? So that means yeah. you were writing this in 99 and 2000. Um, so, you know, you, you were the first person ever to speak Agile to me. Yeah. And, and look, uh, yeah, there, there, there are two things. At one stage, they're interconnected, Rick, because um, what the, the, there's, there's been, and I'm going to use a specifically dramatic term, there's been this cultural war between this um, which was evidenced probably at the best way by things like the SEI, where... Um, if you just got the mechanics of project management right, then you were doing a good job. And this more, um, let's call it systems approach to project management, which said that project management was about the management, not the management of artifacts, but the management of creativity. Um, and, and that came to me way, way earlier than radical project management. I wrote a book which um, Jordan Press published in, in Prent- Prentice Hall in 1980 called People and Project Management, which is long out of print, a very small book, but it, it reflected the learnings I'd had from uh, 10 years in the federal government here in Australia of training project managers. And uh, the second sentence in the book says, having taught 800 project managers over the last you know, decade, the, the most important lesson is project management's all about people. And so th- this view that, that there's this view that people are, especially in projects, are these plug compatible, you know, components you just plug in, and that's been really evidenced by some of the outsourcing. Okay. So who's, uh, who, I think we've got a caller on the line. Let's go ahead and take the caller, and then we'll, we'll introduce the uh, question to, to Rob when we get him back. Who, who's on the line? Hey, Rick. It's John Stenbeck, longtime listener and friend. What's up, brother? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. I think so we're going to try to re... I was going to... Oops, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think we're trying to reestablish the connection there with Rob. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's Rob. And, and Rob, you were mid-sentence. I, I pivoted to a call. Um, I, I do want to introduce you, Rob, to a dear friend of mine. Uh, he's the, the creator of the Agile Almanac, uh, book one and book two. He's, he's the person that I learned a tremendous amount of Agile to. His name's John Stenbeck. So, Rob, meet John. John, meet Rob. Hey, John. Hey, Rob. Nice so to meet did- you. I got to tell you, I heard Rick speak so eloquently from a keynote stage about radical project management that I felt compelled to acquire a copy. And then when I acquired a copy, I was blown away as, as he was starting to say just before you guys dropped off the call about all the way back in 2001, you're writing about the free agent army, the global e-economy, and the four waves of project management. Um, yeah. I mean, radical project management was, was a, a, a book written by a prophet as far as I'm concerned. So I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on the update Clearly, you you were correct with free agent and global economy and four waves, and just would love to hear where your thoughts are about how that's fulfilled and what's coming next. And then I'll jump off the line and let you guys talk. John, again, I I I thank you for that feedback. That that means a lot to me. Um, I I I think we're right now we're in a really interesting space um, because agile now has become as it should have, uh, uh, um, a mainstream idea. Uh, and let's, let's all be happy that that's happened. The question that Agile, no matter what variation of that, whether it's less or, you know, Alistair Coburn's model or just pure scrum, is a, is a incredibly, incredibly aligned way of building creative product. However, my concern now is that it, it's become the silver bullet. It, it, it's got this almost religious fervor around it, if I can use that, that term. I love that, it, yeah. That sort of hides the fact that it's, a, it's fundamentally a major cultural journey. Um, and many traditional organizations are, are not up to that journey. So I, my, I have a concern that um, some organizations, and there's tons of evidence already, say we're going to go agile and find out that they're actually not culturally ready for it and abandon what is a really valid approach to doing projects. So I think we're at a, 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 almost like a, um, 
uh, not a crisis point, but a point where some organizations radically rethink how they approach their people, how they approach how they source project teams, um, you know, because you've got to have co-location, all those things. So I, I, I don't think the battle's won yet would be my view, John. I think we've got a long way to go still before Agile becomes the way most people work. And I love that you said that because, you know, there's two terms that I use on this show all the time, Rob. One is agile theater, which is people who are pretending to be agile, but not doing it, right? So they're yeah. they're playing agile theater. And the other one's the agile clown, which is, you know, the, the tons of consultants out there that have no, you know, no basis and no experience that are that are trying to lead these transformations, um, and, and producing results like we can't tell you when we're going to be done because we're agile. Uh, I can't tell you how much it's going to cost because we're agile and all these wonderful new things that are providing great material for books, uh, but horrible <laughs> results for uh, our organizations. And, and just like software, um, in, in the great softwares like CAPPM, Primavera, Plan View, any yeah. of those out there, um, people are, are saying that software doesn't work. Um, no, it works just fine. It's just that, just as you said, you weren't culturally ready. Yeah. Uh, John, I'd be interested in your view, but, you know, like here in Australia where I'm, I'm currently based a lot, um, two of the biggest banks, um, and now in American terms, they're small, they're talking organizations of 40,000 people, um, have publicly stated from the CEO that they're going to go agile. Um, and, and investing substantial uh, amount of effort into doing that. And, and you know, we're, we're sort of really aware of what's happening internally in both these places, and it's exactly what you're saying. They've, they've hired in uh, consultants who, who've never worked at the scale that this is required. Um, they're, they're not looking through any of the, the, the second and third uh, term effects of what happens when you go to Agile, such as what do you do to your managers, um, how do you transition um, all your support systems. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's a really interesting time, um, and, and it brings out what I unfortunately believe is the worst of our profession which is the fact that there's still people who see it about money, not about creativity. Yeah, and, and, and again, so we're, we're going to make this huge announcement, but then we're going to go to the lowest cost provider in terms of consultant um, yeah, because, you know, we don't want to spend that much. Correct. Look, you know, the, the, if, you, if you go back long enough, and, and yeah, unfortunately I can do that easily, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I want to tell a quick story. Have I got a minute? Yes, um, yes, please do. Who, yeah, so I don't know. I'm sure you both would love it. The Life of Brian is a Monty Python film. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So, and I, yeah, so I, I use this metaphor a lot. Remember when Brian is mistaken for the Messiah and he's trying to get away from the, the soldiers and he, he gets gored, you know, the, the uh, plague plot. And then I was, and then about four minutes later, his sandal falls off, and some of the followers say, "No, it's the sandals, the true symbol of the Messiah." I had this big fight about what's the true symbol of the Messiah. Do you remember that scene? Yes, yes, yeah. of course. So, so <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You, 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 we're having. I've got clients who are fighting right now whether safe, you know, the scaled agile is better than Scrum. Um, you know, and. and this this happened way back in the late seventies, early eighties, when structured analysis was um, the the big thing. You know, doing data flow diagrams. Uh, Ed Yordan and Tom DeMarco and Gaynor Sarsen, and there were actual conferences about whether uh, whether Gaynor Sarsen's rectangles representation of process was better than Tom DeMarco's circle representation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, you know, and and. I love this stuff, and, but what, what was underneath it was the fact that who's ever, you know, agile religion won was going to make more money, um, and, and that's the sad thing that, that keeps worrying me about where agile's got to. It's now become mainstream, which means it's now owned by the large consulting companies 
uh, instead of a group of creative individuals, which is where it came from. So it's become institutionalized, and that could be the seeds of its failure, frankly. You know, well, and Rob, well, uh, one of the things I've seen, your, your whole uh, model of context and content, and I've seen uh, Rick act this out when he's addressing, you know, the Agile thing, like he talked about Agile theater and, and those other yeah. Agile clowns and stuff, because organizations simply forget that context is, is, is really what's going to have to happen. And so hopefully, you know, cooler heads, smarter minds, something's going to prevail and we're going to realize that, again, I'm coming back to, you know, your, your free agent army and the global economy. Yep. Context is going to force it back to you have to treat human beings as human beings, not as cogs in a wheel. And so your influence on Rick and the way he sees the world and speaks to it for project management has been profound. And so thanks. Can I, and, can and I, I just pick up on that, John? Great you, book. You, to me, you, you've sort of got to the real essence here. You've got to the real essence of, of what Agile is about. I, I, I was with a, a client and I've done this a couple of times, when we're, we're looking at bringing more agility into the organization, and you guys would have faced this all the time. I know you would have. And you've got this traditional PMO, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with, that, that has gates and has processes where you've got to fill in certain forms and conform to certain rules before you can move on. And the, the, the debate becomes... Underneath that is a much bigger question, which, which Agile directly addresses and no one wants to talk about, and it comes down to trust, you know, T-R-U-S-T. Ultimately, what Agile is saying is, do you trust a group of people who have open flows of information to their, to their key business clients to do the right stuff, or do you need to still put controls around people because fundamentally you don't trust people? And the thing that Agile is fundamentally built on to me is this inherent belief that people will do the right thing if you give them the right context. And to me, there are too many organizations who don't believe that. Yeah, so it's theory X, theory Y. And that's my favorite conversation to get into with companies. You know, I do a lot of software implementation, and so you have the – the people that are like, take everything off the screen, lock it all down, because if they can click it, they will, and they'll mess it up, right? Or there's yeah. the, allow them to explore, allow them to become better, allow them to learn, right? Yeah. Um, it, it is so frustrating to watch that super lockdown. I, it, it, uh, my favorite is like, well, can you lock down these dates? And it's like, well, who's going to log in at three in the morning and go change a bunch of schedule dates? Like, I don't want to look at the project schedule anyway, right? It's, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, it's interesting. And, 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 you know, the number of times I've said this to executives and watch them, watch them struggle, right? You can see it in their eyes. I say, look, you've got a simple choice to make. You either punish the majority for the behavior of the minority or you accept that the majority are good and deal with the minority by exception. And, and that, that fundamental truth is something most organizations, you know, if you look at a Netflix or some of the, you know, Spotify, they've solved that problem. Um, you know, they've, they've gone to the assumption that, you know, everyone's, basically good intent and will deal with what doesn't work on an exception basis. But larger corporations can't unpick that cultural view, in my experience. Right. You design to the 95%, not for the five. Correct. And and the more you and I talk, the more I think we need to have some sort of DNA test because you actually may be my dad. I'm not sure. (laughs) Look, there's, I've got to tell you, when in the, the old days when there was, uh, um, you know, conferences that talked about this sort of stuff rather than, you know, how to run burndown charts, there was a very small group of people, Rick, uh, and I was privileged to be part of it, that all felt the same way. And, and you know, welcome to the club. <laughs> and we welcome got to, to the 3%, life. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you see, you talk about the Agile Cloud and all this sort of stuff, the... the the thing I like to talk about is the ceremonies. Everyone thinks that Agile is about the ceremonies, the stand-up, the retrospectives, you know, 
getting some, you know, burn down charts, blah, blah, blah. It isn't. It's about a fundamentally different way of working. I love it. Well, unfortunately, and, and for the first time ever, just so you know, I've been doing this show for two years, uh, Rob, and, and for the first time ever, I was offered to skip a full commercial break just to keep the conversation going, and I took that opportunity with you. But unfortunately, we have to take a commercial break here, so we're going to do so, and we'll be right back with the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader, with more than 2 million happy users worldwide. Not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back to the final segment of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday, and we're visiting with Rob Tomset. He's now with Seven Consulting. He's from Australia. And uh, he's just been delighting us with stories. And, and, you know, Rob, you know how I feel about you, buddy. And, and it's been such a delight to talk to you. You know, I was flipping through uh, Radical Project Management again, just preparing. And I'm, I'm trying to find the, the spot again. And I don't think I will. But, you know, I teach an elevator speech uh, to all project managers because I, I hate to hear project managers try to describe what they do for a living because it sounds like a scene yeah. from office space, right? It, it just, <laughs> it, it's horrible. And so I teach them to say, uh, you know, that we make dreams come true and that it's a simple thing. But you know what? I I think that was influenced by you as well. I don't know if it was in my psyche or subconscious, but that you had something like that in Radical Project Management as well. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. In fact, it was in both uh, Radical and Third Wave, and it was also in People and Project Management. Project Management's making dreams come true. Um, Yeah, it's... It's the management of creativity and it's the focusing of creativity on, on helping people get to a better space. Absolutely. It's a wonderful so, job. 
here, here, I think I thought I came up with that, and and I think you're the one that just threw it into my subconscious. So I'm going to have to start crediting you with that again. So anybody who's ever heard me say that, that came from Rob. It didn't come from me. I'm, oh, Rick, I'm uh, throwing that out as well. But um, ideas, so Rick, ideas are like children, right? You you can let them go. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Right. That's that's our job. But and I'll tell you what, if that if that's one that we can spread all over the place, that's the one that needs to spread. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 look, uh, you know, I, I'm 70 now and I've done this for over 40 years and I wouldn't do I wouldn't do another job. Um, you know, the, the stuff that the, the, the creativity and the, the brilliance of people I've worked with is just inspirational. It's a, it's a treasure. It really is. And once you settle in, and, and that, that's what I do love about this this career, is we get to do some of the coolest things and see some of the coolest things ever. I mean, yep. ever. Yeah. And, and, you, and you, you know, in most cases, you get to see people at their best, which is um, aligned together, working together to achieve some, something bigger than themselves. You know, one of the things I've always believed, Rick, is... is we, when computing started and IT project management, we chose the wrong, the wrong metaphor. We chose buildings rather than movies. Um, to me, a much better uh, analogy to what we do, in, especially in the agile world, is make movies, uh, except that these movies change people's lives. Wow. So one of the questions we like to ask all of our guests that come on the show is what's some of the best advice uh, you would say you've ever received? Oh, uh, that's very interesting. Uh, is this advice about project management or broader? Uh, broader uh, in general. Okay. So without a doubt, the most significant thing I've ever learned is no one ever pays you enough not to be yourself. Ooh, I like that. You, yeah. want, you want to tell the story behind it? Yeah, look, you know, especially if you go back 20, 30 years, there was this sort of idea that you came to work and, and you hung up your real self on a, on a you know, coat rack and did some sort of corporate persona. Remember the old stories about the IBM way, um, the suits and all that sort of stuff. And, and I was, you know, I've, I've been a musician all my life and I've had an outrageous sense of humor. And I used to sort of hide that from people I worked with. And one day someone said to me, why are you doing that? You don't get paid enough. <laughs> there was a guy called Peter Lonsdale, a wonderful man. And, and I started being who I am at work and with clients as I, as I am at home. Um, and uh, for the most part, the clients I have really like that because I was described recently by a, C, C, a CEO as, as a passionate eccentric. Um, and then he said, we need more of this. So, you know, you've got to be true to yourself. You, you, you've got to you know, be authentic to yourself. And people see they respond to it. Yeah, that really, really mattered to me, that lesson. You know, I love it. I love it. And, yeah, and quite frankly, it's your humor. that. It, 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 so, again, I, I was at a very yeah. vulnerable time in my career. I, I found that you know nobody was listening, nobody was doing anything, and it was your humor that allowed my humor to come out. Um, you know, the whole dark side of project management, which I found hilarious, by the way, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in radical project management. But it was, it, it was your humor in, in being able to describe things that I actually took to stage in, in – just kind of let my wit loose a little bit, which is where I feel like my speaking career took off. Um, yeah, I can I can hear it in your voice, Rick. I can absolutely hear it in your voice. I, I can see the, I can hear the smile. You know, um, Stephen Colbert. You know, um, uh, who I really love. Um, once said, you know, if you're laughing, you can't be afraid. Um, you know, I, I'm deeply suspicious of people who don't have a sense of humour. But then, having said that. Um, I, I'm also aware that sometimes my sense of humor does, does um, throw some people out, but the answer is they just have to learn to live with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, or you know. they're just not our kind of client, right? And, and we probably wouldn't have any fun doing work for them anyway. It's the beauty that's of that's us being true. our own, our own consultants. 
that's correct. I mean, you know, the, the other thing I've learned, so you asked me about these lessons, that's, that's a big one. That is the biggest one. But the second thing is, uh, is asking for help. Um, I, I just, you know, there's films about it, of course, but, and, and I don't want to get into gender, but, um, you know, I, I find admitting you don't know something and asking people to explain it to you is a really, really important thing. Um, you know, I'm having a debate with Seven Consulting at the moment that, you know, we, we are a really boutique, really smart organization. We only hire the top 10% project managers in Australia. Um, but the danger of that is because you've hired the best, they think they know everything. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and so the, the, I guess to summarize that, to me, a good day, even at age 70, a really good day is a day you learn something. And you know what, Rick and John, I'm still learning stuff, which how good is that? <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's the best. Yeah, and, and for me, like I've I've gotten involved with the John Maxwell team is the the big thing that I've done. And John says, yeah. you know, he's he's got fewer certainties the older he gets, but he's more certain about those things than he ever has been. And I think that's a beautiful statement. He said, oh, "You should have met funny. me when I was twenty because I thought I was awesome." <laughs> I think yeah. it's such a great yeah. statement. Yeah, and 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 you know, if you're a project manager and you fall into that trap. Um, and I talk about it, I don't know if you remember, Rick, the, the last page of Radical, where I talk about crossing the line, um, yep. where, uh, as the most important project management lesson I've ever learned, which is where the project manager's ego becomes entangled with the project, and they, they start owning the project um, on behalf of the sponsor and on behalf of the stakeholders. And once they cross that line, they're lost. You know, a project manager exists to make other people's dreams happen, not theirs, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't own anything. It's not our budget. It's not our scope. It's not, it's not our people. So exactly what exactly? Right. We only own and, the blame for when it goes wrong. That's, that's all we yeah. own. So, so if any of the listeners want to have a look at that, um, I've just put up a series, and I'm going to do a lot more of this because – um, you know, Rick, as you know, people don't tend to read books. Sorry, John. <laughs> they just don't anymore. Um, I've started to use LinkedIn as a, as a voice for some of my writing. So there's a series up there I've just put up recently on LinkedIn, on my LinkedIn profile on change. And the one point I'm saying to PMs is you, you don't have to live with the change that you deliver. So you have a, a moral responsibility to, to understand what you're doing impacts other people. Um, and some, some PMs don't get that still, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, Rob, listen, it's been a pleasure. The time has flown by. Unfortunately, we are out of time, which just means we have got to have you back. You, you game oh, for that? Uh, absolutely. And I'll, and I'll get the technology working better next time, Rick and John. And please accept my apologies for being a bit late. It, Not at all. But, Not at all. But anytime, anyway, I'll, I'll hook it up with you again. We'll, we'll get it back. But that's been Rob Tomset, the legend himself uh, to me. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for being just you, man. I, I appreciate you and we'll have you back. But that's our edition of the Work-Life Balance this week. We'll talk to you guys next Friday when I've got Coach Beckler coming back. And we'll talk about leadership and motivation. But that's it for this Friday. We'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to Rick Morris. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.